0: Hey there and welcome back to my weekly show I'm Father Roderick and it's the beginning of a new month The month of March We've got two months down, ten to go Before the end of the year It's also the beginning of Lent The time of preparation for the great celebration of Easter So welcome back and enjoy the show This episode of my weekly show is brought to you thanks to my patrons. It is a wonderful community that keeps growing every month. And at the beginning of every new month, I want to welcome all those of you that have recently joined the community. And today I want to mention Carrie, Selena, Yvonne, Chris, Lucas, Mary, Gerson, Mario, Mike, Chiara, Rosemary... James, Linda, and Mia, thank you so much for having joined this community by supporting me with your monthly micro-donation and, most importantly, to support me with your feedback in the Discord community that you get access to. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to have such a, a thriving community, especially in these difficult times. We'll talk about the war in U- Ukraine in a minute. But in these times of, of threat, of division, uh, we just came out of this. Well, in a certain way, here in the Netherlands, we came out of this, uh, the, these, all these restrictions around COVID, but in many parts of the world, this is still a serious threat. But in these difficult times, we need one another. And it is wonderful to be able to form a community where we can actually do that and feel that support. No matter where you are in the world, what country you are from, uh, this hopefully is a is a community where everybody feels uh, that they belong to. And in order to strengthen that community, we're gonna do something entirely new. We're beginning this uh, now that we're starting Lent. And it is something that we haven't done before, and it is uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. We'll do this um, every Friday in the afternoon over here. so it's for us, it's the end of the of the work week for some of you it may be still early in the morning we're going to do a community hour and this is what we're going to do every um member of the Patreon community will get a notification with a link to a live stream and Inge and I will be hosting that community hour um, and that's going to be around 4 o'clock hour time, so that's Amsterdam time. That would be around 10 in the morning on the East Coast, and well, if you live on the West Coast and you want to join us live, that's going to be 7 o'clock in the morning, so that's really early. It's, it's, it's definitely a morning show for most of you that maybe you can watch uh, when you have breakfast, or I don't know, you could always watch it afterwards as well. So this is going to be for the patrons and then, of course, I'm doing lots of public stuff as well. This podcast being one of those initiatives, and of course, I've got my YouTube channel, uh, where I will soon re <laughs> repopulate the the feed with uh, new videos about um, uh, the Obi Wan Kenobi series that uh, will soon start, as well as uh, some other reviews and thoughts about television series that I would like to share with that YouTube community there. But, of course, all of that is not that important. I love that we have that community, but the the thing that is um, on top of everyone's mind, of course, is the very difficult situation in and around Ukraine right now. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Of course, this is not a news podcast, so I'm not going to give you the latest updates about the war in Ukraine, but we've all been following the news um with with bathed breath and 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 very worried about our friends in ukraine and and when I say friends, I really mean friends. I know that I have a number of listeners from Ukraine that have been following this podcast as well as from Russia and other countries in the eastern part of Europe. And uh, so when when I look at the news, this is not something that happens in some other part of the world where, you know, it feels far away and it is far away. No, this is the country or the the countries involved in this conflict, in this war, are countries where I know people and these people are my friends. And they're both from Russia as well as from Ukraine, but also all the other countries in that area. Uh, we've got so many listeners from Poland, from all the and the history uh, of of that part of the world has impacted so many of of uh, of, of the members of my communities, and uh, and 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 this most recent event will also impact them in well, for some of them in a very, very uh, drastic way. I've been following a number of uh, people on TikTok who are um, sharing their experiences. Uh, some of them live in Kiev, others in uh, in, in different parts of, of Ukraine. So you, they give us this firsthand account of their thoughts, how they feel, what it does to them. And I don't think I've ever um, followed a, a conflict in the world in, in such a visceral, personal way, you you almost feel like you know these people, that that's kind of the quality of social media, of course, regardless of all the misinformation that you also will find on on social media. But that, what I like about media like like TikTok is that you can establish a bond with people even before this happens, you know. Um, and so there is real trust. Because you know that these are not actors, this is not, uh, I'm not following people that are all of a sudden appearing and then having all sorts of opinions and whatnot. No, these were people that I was already following, and now you see their first-hand account of what is happening, and it is, it, it's just so impactful. And when I pray, I see their faces. Uh, the other Sunday we were praying especially for, the, for, for peace and for a... A return of negotiations and a conversion of of the aggressors and uh um and and i you know we constantly pray for for situations in the world where people are struck with hunger um uh local injustice or or violence but When you pray for people you actually feel you know that you've interacted with on social media, that is such a game changer. It makes you feel so connected. And I said on Sunday that um, recently when you would say you are in my thoughts and in my prayers, then sometimes that would create backlash. And people were like, well, thoughts and prayers, that's easy. You should do something. And I think that's wrong. Um, in, in, I, of course, we need to do what we can, and i 've been very encouraged and and also reassured to, to see the the cohesion of the world 's reaction to uh, to this invasion and to this war, and how much uh, all these countries in the world are are working together to stand strong with the people of Ukraine and to defend the democracy that is so important to us as well and so there is this brotherhood that all of a sudden like shows itself after uh, two years of where we've seen so much division because of covid and the fear that people had and now you see this unity which is heartwarming and and very comforting um but when i when i see that i also know that I I play a very, very small role in in this in in the sense that, yes, I've voted for for the government that we have um, and that they acted our name. So indirectly, of course, um, I I do play a tiny, tiny role in, in, in the events in the world. You always have to keep in mind that any war is fought by individual people that have free will, that can... Say yes or no to violence uh, um, th- 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 even dictators exist oftentimes by the support of individual people that have a moral compass that they may have disabled, but it 's still there, and so every person in the world can play a role uh, it 's one of the things that you see in, in in the stories of Tolkien where you know even these small hobbits that seem so insignificant to the History of middle Earth can still play a pivotal role in the future and in the in in saving middle Earth from the forces of evil that seem to be so you know unsurmountable and the same is true here, but that's also why I believe that even thoughts and prayers should not be uh discarded as being ineffective if you if you say or or even like <clears throat> I think that some of the backlash is maybe because it's for some people kind of a, a an easy way out. <laughs> it's like slacktivism. As long as I change the my profile picture, um, then I'm I'm helping to change the world. Well, of course that's not enough, but it doesn't mean it is not worth anything um, because thoughts and prayers are a movement of the heart, and when the heart is involved it means that friendship is activated and wherever there is friendship, God is active. Ubi caritas Deus ibi est, it says in Latin, where there is love and friendship, that's where God is. And so when I pray for someone, when I think of my friends, then God is there. God is involved in that. In fact, he may actually be the one who is moving my heart to pray for them, to not forget about them, to think of the situation and to think of them Because that's what binds us together, even though politically, military, there's nothing I can do individually. But I can pray, and I can think of my friends. And the fact that they know that we are doing that can help them. It's kind of that mysterious strength of what the world may may see as weakness. Uh, You know, what what are thoughts and prayers going to do in the world? Well, You'd be surprised if you look at the gospel and you see what how how oftentimes Jesus is using thoughts and prayers to change the world instead of using force or money or political influence. You know, ultimately his his life has been changing the world, the lives and the the world that we live in and our lives, and it has a daily impact on on my life as well and on my choices. So. I don't think you should be too quick to say thoughts and prayers are are not worth much. You'd be surprised <laughs> how much that can do. So keep keep praying, um, keep fasting. It's something that Pope Francis has asked us to do on Ash Wednesday at the beginning of Lent, but I think that we can <clears throat> probably just extend that for the upcoming period of Lent. Let us dedicate this for... Uh, for peace in the world and especially for peace in Ukraine and for a conversion of those that think that they need to resort to violence um, and destruction to get what they want. Do you know what's going on? Um, I know what's going on. I just talked about it. Let's press the other button, right? <laughs> How do you not like movies. They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Apple TV uh, may be a small player when compared to Netflix or Prime Video or Disney+. But Apple TV Plus is uh, definitely going for quality instead of quantity. And I've shared with you before how much I appreciate the series that that I've already watched. Um, it's, it's quite amazing what they've been able to uh, to pull off, even though Apple itself is, of course, not really, has never been in the television production business but it, they they always seem to to know, well not always there have been um, efforts in the past where apple tried to introduce something and it didn't really take off i even wonder if for instance what they do now with games where you pay this monthly amount and then you get access to this this very closed system of curated games if it will work I, i'm not sure if if it if that if that is something that um that will ever take off maybe with the with the advent of their uh, ARVR system, if if you then have like dedicated games that no one else has, yeah, that may actually be a a, a system seller um, to have that. But but currently, I I don't know. I tried it out for a month and it didn't really appeal to me. However, for Apple TV Plus, I have to really give it to Apple. I it's something that I don't want to miss anymore. Um, I've so I still got it for free because it came with my new iPad. I got a year. Uh, of Apple TV Plus for free, um, <clears throat> and even though it it has only a fraction of the of the movies and the television series, I have yet to be disappointed. Now I know that there are some series that um, that some people criticized. There's this one about the uh, like a blind guy or whatever. I, I watch like a is it C or uh, it's with a guy who plays Aquaman the actor who plays Aquaman. Um, and, and that one I watched one or two episodes, or I think I, I watched the first episode because Apple made it available for free to anyone, even if you didn't have a subscription. And that one was just awful. <laughs> it was well-produced, but the story was awful. So, uh, But right now, I'm enjoying another series that is blowing me away. It's called Suspicion. And I... I'd never heard of the series. It uh, They publish it weekly in episodes, uh, which is my favorite way of distributing because it gives me a week to look forward to the next episode. Oh, the whole binge-watching thing, um, th- that seemed to be so attractive that you could just watch an entire series in two days. But I actually prefer... This this trickle of episodes, what, what Disney is doing with Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, what they've done with Boba Fett and The Mandalorian, just give us a new episode every week. It also gives us a week long to share our enthusiasm and speculation with friends. So I think there's something really um, cool in this old distribution method of just giving us a new episode every week. So they do this for Suspicion as well. Suspicion is a story that... Um, uh, shows us how uh, a kid gets abducted by a masked group of perpetrators. So they are wearing these masks of the royal family in, 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 in England. However, the abduction takes place in the United States. And it turns out that this, this young man who is abducted is the son of a very influential politician in the United States, a senator or something like that. And then the story switches to the UK and we see that five, I think four or five, unrelated people, at least seemingly unrelated, are being arrested and and tracked and interrogated because they are under suspicion, hence the name of the series, Suspicion, uh, of being involved or being behind this abduction. Turns out that they've all been in... I think New York, at the time of the abduction. But because the camera footage, the security cameras, only show us the these masked figures, could be them, could be anyone. What is their motive? That's what the series is about. And uh, there is a, a British side and American side to the investigation. There is this American, um, maybe, I think an FBI guy, or, um, and he's played by the actor who also plays... Um, uh, Truman's friend in the Truman Show. Um, I forgot his name. And I think he's also, he plays in a number of television series. He's a very recognizable face. Um, but he he um, he plays a great role, I think, in this. He's kind of the impatient American investigator who thinks that the Brits are too slow. And, uh, you know, uh, they, the, so the British approach is, let's just release these people. We don't have enough proof to keep them but let's just release them and then we'll just follow them using all these cameras these security cameras and then if they, they may actually lead us to their associates if they are guilty then maybe we'll be able to figure that out uh, whereas the american investigators like no we just keep them here uh, i don't care just come up with whatever excuse and then just put pressure on them and then we'll know so there's this this also this conflict uh, this tension between these these two cultural approaches which is i think very well done very well acted and then as a viewer you really don't know if these people are guilty or not and then you start to at first my initial reaction is they they arrested the wrong people they, these people cannot be involved in this. You, you get to know a little bit of their backstory, and the more you get to know them, the the less likely it is that they are involved in a in an abduction. What what is their motive? However, then very soon in the second episodes, that image that you had this first initial impression of these people starts to crumble a little bit because one of them at least seems to have a hidden side. A, a darker aspect of their lives. They've been doing things that are not entirely ethical. However, it's still not 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 to the point of in abducting people. But um, you feel like, oh, wait a minute, these people are not what they seem. To use. There is a growing suspicion towards these people. So, if that person of of the of these five is arrest, uh, you know, has actually a darker side, then that actually may also be the case of the others. And so you, as a viewer, start to have to develop this suspicion, but you can't really pinpoint what it is. You just feel that there's mm, there's there should be more to this. So why were they in the United States? They all have an alibi, but it feels sus- suspect. And at the same time, you're like, well, maybe there's something totally different going on, and maybe I am accusing these these characters for not because, yeah, they may have. Done things that are wrong or not entirely legal, but that's that you know that's not it, 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 that's not the same as as accusing them of a crime that maybe they are innocent of. So I'm I'm really looking forward to every new episode to get more clues, and and that that's what I love about this, the concept of this series. Um, every episode ends with this kind of cliffhanger where it's uh, you discover, oh wait a minute. It's still something else, you know. And then, oh man, I gotta wait for another week to figure out what is going on, and uh, and I can't really Google it because this has never been aired before. That's another advantage of these new streaming platforms. Uh, sometimes with television series, if you follow, I don't know, and I got to Christie. Um, um, version of a novel the people have already read the novel they know who did it um sometimes television series have already aired years ago elsewhere so you always have to be careful with spoilers it's the same conundrum with the, you know being a star wars fan um you you do you do want to talk about it at the same time you know that many people will only see this series maybe a year later so to which extent can you actually talk about, about surprises, about spoilers? It's, it's a difficult balance to keep. But with this series, everybody is on the same level, you know? And, well, it's slightly different from Star Wars in the sense that Star Wars, of course, generates, like, <laughs> so much chatter on social media because there are millions of people that will watch the episode as soon as it comes out. I don't think that's the case with a series like Suspicion. But the less you know the more i think you'll enjoy it and i can't wait to see how this will end and and maybe this is just one of those stories where it's not going to be resolved at the end of the season this this turns out to be a much bigger story and what i like about the story is also it's it's really good writing because every every episode brings you closer to uh discovering what's going on so it gives it feeds your curiosity and you're like oh, Oh, so that's what she did. That's why she was in in, in America at that time of the abduction. But I need more information. And there's something happens that you did not expect. And so every episode gives you this gratification of bringing you closer to understanding what's going on. And at the same time, it creates new questions. And that is perfect story writing. It needs to reward you as well as tease you for the next episode. And uh, the balance is really good. From what I've seen in the opening title sequence, this is based on an existing story or maybe even a television series. So it it may just be one of those remakes where they take, uh, uh, for instance, you have uh, in Sweden, uh, Denmark, uh, some of those ...countries up north of, of the Netherlands, they create fascinating television. The stories are so good, but of course they're all acted with... ...it's in Swedish and everything, and because um, part of the international audience... ...doesn't like to to read subtitles or to watch dubbed movies, oftentimes... Um, if it's a really good series, they will just take the story and and remake it with American or English actors. And um, <laughs> it's sometimes how I've discovered the original series. Like I remember a few years ago, we were on vacation in France with uh, uh, with my other th- uh, friends uh, that are uh, all three are priests, and we always bring along. I uh, like a television series or something that we can watch together and and talk about. And there was this one series. Uh, I think it was a French series about this village where all the children had disappeared, I think. And then they came back. And it's just this weird, like, they've been gone for a, a bit like what they did in Avengers, you know, with the snap. <clears throat> People have been gone for a couple of years. And then they all of a sudden, they all return. And you know that there is something supernatural going on. And then, uh, and, and and it turns out that that, so we watched one one season, I think, of that series. And we couldn't stop talking about it. We were so mesmerized by the story. And then when I came back home from vacation, I discovered that there was actually an um, like an English remake of that same series. So I watched that one as well, and it was not at all the same, the same tone. The same. It, I thought the original was a lot better, <laughs> but it can be the opposite, of course, as well, where the remake with a bigger budget, better actors is. Um, is going to be uh, uh, the superior version, but man, suspicion. Let me know if you've seen it. If, if you're on Discord, let, maybe we can set up a, a, a discussion thread about that series because I sure want to share my thoughts about who did it and what's going on with uh, with the rest of the community. Uh, I keep pressing the wrong button. We already did television. Let's go to the Peculiar Bunch. <laughs> Catholics rock Here at the Peculiar Bunch we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics But you were afraid to ask Catholics can be a peculiar bunch No meat on Friday No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? So the meat on Friday thing is of course uh, referring to fasting Which is something that Catholics do for the time of Lent. So let's talk about that. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster videos. In fact, I think most of you are familiar with Lent, even if you're not Catholic. Uh, but it's this time that starts is approximately 40 days long. It kind of varies every year um but it it is uh, more or less 40 days before the the beginning of uh what we call um uh, holy thursday so the triduum pascale it's called in, in latin so the the 3 days of easter and until the uh, uh the 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 what is it holy thursday <laughs> um it's called lent and uh during lent catholics do three things or we are invited Not everyone does this, but we are invited to focus on three main pillars of of the time of Lent. All three are meant to help us to develop new habits or to strengthen old habits. Um, And they are focused on fasting, on praying, and on, it's a little bit of an old-fashioned word, word, almsgiving. So sharing, sharing with people that are less fortunate than you uh, in order to help them. Now, in the upcoming weeks, I will be talking about these three pillars of Lent and just you know share with you how I'm approaching that and how I'm trying to um, do something for this time. So it's not just about giving up. That's what I hear a lot, especially in more Anglo-Saxon uh, culture. It's like, what do you give up for Lent? What do you give up for Lent? Mm, yeah, Lent is a little bit more, more. It's a bit richer than just giving up stuff. It's it's about a change of your of your attitude, of your behavior. It's, it's practicing. It's a, a training for, to become a better person. And, and we do that by following Jesus. Uh, so he is the one who gives us the example. And since we are called as baptized people to, to be like Jesus, this is why we, we focus on these three things that Jesus himself practices and, and talks about. So, so often when he goes into the desert, um, he goes there to fast and to pray, and everything that Jesus does after that time in desert is, has to do with sharing. Sharing everything he has: his time, his attention, his his gifts, his 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 power to heal. Um, his life, ultimately, he shares it. Shares it with us who who are in need of help. So, these three pillars are based on the example that Jesus gives, and so. Yeah, it's not just about giving up. That's just the first step. You give up something in order to. That's the question you should answer. So instead of asking yourself, uh, what am I going to give up for Lent? Is what am I going to give up and what to which purpose? How is that going to change me, change the people around me, change the world? What is the goal of that? That is a question you should ask yourself as well. And I, can, I would say keep that very practical that's with every behavior change the more practical you are the more specific you are in setting your goals the more likely it will be that you will be motivated for these 40 days to actually implement that the kickoff moment of course is ash wednesday which is uh um the in a, well in the middle of the week um and it's called ash wednesday because of the liturgical ritual that is uh performed in catholic churches and also in some other Christian uh, churches. It kind of depends. As you know, the Protestant world is very diverse, and there are many different traditions, and, and also liturgically it can be extremely um, varied, what you will find. So in Lutheran circles, for instance, there will be much more um, rituals, many more rituals that re- remind us of Catholic liturgy that is, of course, Kind of where where Luther, uh, the Lutheran Church <laughs> originally came from, um, but then you've got the more this kind of stricter, uh, more Calvinist uh, um, uh, parts of the Protestant uh, movement, where they've they've said goodbye to more <laughs> litur- liturgical rituals. They focus more on the Word of God and on preaching. Um, so. But the idea of Ash Wednesday is that in the this is just a Mass in, in general, but in the middle of that Mass, um, people will come forward and they will receive a cross with ashes. The ashes are usually made, in case you're curious not, of cigars smoked by the priest. <laughs> this is something that they told me as a child, and I totally believed it, because our pastor used to smoke these big cigars, Um but uh, no, it's actually made out of the uh, branches, the olive branches, or the whatever branches we use at on Palm Sunday. Uh, so on Palm Sunday, the, in the in the liturgy, there is this procession with uh, with branches of, uh, and there can be you know palm trees, but. If you live in the Netherlands, we don't have that many palm trees because of the weather. Maybe in the future, now that the climate is so changing so much, we will have palm trees. But right now, we're just using using um, uh, different types of plants for that. But we gather those um, usually on the Sunday before Ash Wednesday, and then uh, the sacristan can burn them and uh, siphon out the ashes. And, and, and so we receive a cross or... Uh, especially for the past two years, because of covid and we had to keep distance, we sprinkled ashes on the on the head of the people, which is a very biblical thing. You see this already in the Old Testament in a number of cases where people if they go into a if they engage in a, a time of of repentance usually uh, uh, fasting they would they would um, change their clothes. So they would walk around in uh, in rags, basically, and then they would sprinkle themselves with ashes or cover themselves in ashes. So they would look terrible <laughs> as a, a visual reminder of the interior process that was going on, You're just leaving behind everything that is just appearance and focus on, on what will last. And the ashes, of course, are reminding us of the fact that not much in our... Life ultimately will remain. We're all returning to at least our bodies will return to the earth from which it is built, or maybe even to the stars, because ultimately we're we're all made out of stardust. If you look at the evolution and the way our solar system came together, but ultimately what forms our bodies right now will also deform. Will also decay. It will. It will just just be gone at one point. So what remains, of course, is 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 your soul and it is what you do it's the choices it's love it's friendship that is indestructible and is even eternal and so because our souls are eternal this time of lent is a time where we focus on that eternal aspect of our lives and what feeds it and what forms it so our eternal life is determined by the choices that we make it's by where what does our soul do, <laughs> and 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 not really our body? Of course, you have to take good care of our body. We're not. Um, it's not Catholicism is not dualistic, where it's like mind versus body, uh, or soul versus the physical reality. Now, for Catholics, both are important. If you look at the um, the, the metaphysics of uh, uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas um soul and body belong to one another and you can't have one without the other in fact the soul is kind of the forming principle of the body and so when we profess our belief in the resurrection we say it's not the resurrection of of the soul of the of the mind it's the resurrection of the body because our soul is meant to have a body and this makes us different from the angels that are pure spirits uh, but we are spirit and body, so we have to take good care of our body. It's it's a gift, It's not, but it's a support also of our soul. And we tend to spend a lot of time on our bodies, uh, you know, sports, clothes, comfort, food, all that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But every once in a while, we also should focus on the other part of our existence, which is our soul, which ultimately... It's more important to invest in, even than investing in, in just our bodies, because the soul is what we, what we will take with us. And ultimately, our, we will receive a new body, um, but, but this, the soul will still be the forming principle. So the more beautiful our soul is, the more beautiful our resurrected bodies will be in a certain way course, I'm talking about stuff that nobody has ever seen and we don't actually know what we're talking about. Let's put it that way. But we do believe in the resurrection of the body because that's based on on, on the, the testimony of Jesus or the testimony of, of the apostles, I should say, and the proof that Jesus gives by himself rising from the dead. Um, and so Jesus and the Virgin Mary are already there. Uh, they're pointing the way because... Their eternal existence is what we are still moving towards. The Virgin Mary is in heaven, body and soul. And Jesus is uh, well, in heaven. Jesus is heaven in a certain way, body and soul. And so ultimately, uh, we will be at the resurrection at the end of times. We will receive a new body Um so that's encouraging. It Means that our, our current body is, yeah, in many ways, it's it's wonderful, but it can also be broken. It 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 uh, breaks down over time. We know that very well. The more you age, the more you will see that. But the soul takes flight. That that's what I like about about growing older. Um, is that if you curate your soul, and this time of Lent is meant to do that, you will actually notice that. Yes, your body actually declines, and your soul grows. So that's a, I, I love that, and I love seeing that in myself as well. That I, I start, I develop, I learn, I become wiser. I also make mistakes, of course. It's not that all of a sudden I walk around like a saint. <laughs> Far from that. But it is. It's also this capacity to learn from your sins and mistakes, and and the more you fall, the 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 more you you grow. As long as you understand that your fallen state is not your destiny. it's uh, On the contrary, it's an occasion to grow and to try again and to become stronger. And if you step into that logic, this Lent, you will see the fruits of that. And so Lent is not just what am I giving up. It's what do I invest in? I'm going to invest in my soul. So what is important for my soul? What can I do? To help me grow in in friendship, in endurance, in patience, and all those virtues. If you focus on that this Lent, is going to be an amazing time. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I am going really well with my... my, my Goodreads book reading challenge for 2021. I think I'm now 3 books ahead of schedule. I uh I made the resolution to read 100 books this year and uh and I love it. I'm reading so many great books and I I read a bit of everything. So, as you know, I I love reading uh books about uh psychology lately. Um neuro chemistry even. So I, I read science. I also read novels. I read fantasy, science fiction. And, uh, and oftentimes I will read multiple books at the same time. Uh, Just the other day, I finished a book that I started reading um, a few weeks ago, maybe even last year, written by Michael Straczynski. And if that name sounds familiar, he is, um, among other things, the author of Babylon 5. Um, And he wrote the entire story before they started filming, um, which makes Babylon 5 quite unique in television world. But uh, he's also been writing for... Uh, superhero story so he's been writing uh, uh, lots of uh, graphic novels uh, in the Marvel universe he's been involved in a number of television projects uh, and he recently wrote a novel call, called Together We Will Go according to him he himself says that this is one of the best things he's ever written and you know he's a good writer Um I, I read his uh, autobiography, which was riveting. It's one of the best autobiographies that I've ever read. It's heartbreaking. It's unbelievable what, what he has gone through in his life. Um, but that's also why he is such an, am- an amazing writer. Uh, I think that the hardship that he experienced in his own youth um, and even later on in his uh, in his career has given him just a lot of empathy, a lot of nuance in... Uh, in 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 writing different characters, so when he says this is one of the best things I've ever written, yeah, I knew that I wanted to read it. The story is uh is is weird uh, or weird. It's not something I would usually read. It's a story about people that want to actually commit suicide. Uh, <laughs> so there is this you know guy who has the initiatives. Uh, he wants, to, you know, he wants to kill himself, or he, at least that's what he says. And um, but he doesn't want to do that all by himself. Uh, he's like, well, there are probably more people like I that, like me, that have that same idea that they just want to end their life here on Earth. But let's do it together. Hence the title, "Together We Will Go." So he rents a bus, and a bus driver. That uh, will gather all these people that that voluntarily, you know, want to commit to this idea of let let's just go together, um, and we'll just ride off a cliff in a, somewhere pretty. We'll just go to you know the west coast and then we'll just drive off a cliff and then well, at least we, we will have each other in that process, so we don't die alone in a certain way. It's a weird concept. And, and and what before I read the book, I was like, I'm not sure if I... I hope this is not going to be just one big advertisement for, you know, assisted suicide or something like that. That would be not really in line with the, what I believe is the value of life. But the book is not about that. What it does is it, it gives you um, individual character par- portraits of all these different people that, of course, all have gone through a lot of stuff to get to the point where they actually don't think that life is worth living anymore. And so the book is much more about an exploration of who they are and how they got to that point rather than actually this whole idea of killing themselves. And so you you get to know all these different people and every chapter is written from a certain perspective of one of these people. You start it's it's written in a in 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 all in a What I like about the book is how every chapter has its own tonality because it's written from the perspective and and oftentimes in the voice of one of these people on the bus. And you start to see also their interaction and how they discover each each other's stories. And people, of course, because they are together on the bus, they also start to impact each other. And for some of them, this is also a, um, a process during which they discover that they are not alone and that there are actually people that empathize with them and want to listen to their story. And we, in a certain way, are also on the bus, even though we are not, you know, it's not because we don't think life is worth living. But we are almost like sharing in those very personal revelations of what was going on in their lives. And I think that's the quality of the book. It's the Realism and just the humanity of all these these different characters that you discover, and uh, how just as many people on the bus are are discovering that maybe their first impression of someone who is with them on the bus is was incorrect, so are we changing our opinions and starting to see all the nuances of their lives, and so the book is absolutely not an advertisement for this suicide mission. Uh, but I think it, what it shows is how complex life can be, how tragic it can be for certain people. Uh, it teaches you to empathize, even though we're talking about f- you know, fictional characters. Um, and it's not necessarily about the book having a tragic or a happy end. It's not about the ending. It's about the process, about the journey. It sounds a bit cliche, but that's absolutely what why I think... Michael Straczynski wanted to, or Joe Straczynski, as he's called, um, wanted to write this book. It's a character study, and and I think in that res- regard, it is it is a success. It's very well written, and uh, I can't say I enjoyed the ride because you still have that <laughs> that doom at the end of the of the story in a certain way. But um, but I did really appreciate what he wrote, and I think it is incredibly well written. So. That's why I am still glad that I read the book. Together we will go by Mike, Michael Straczynski, or Joe Straczynski. wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. Well, in this case, we need to talk about woolly mammoths. Now, of course, that is uh, <laughs> that sounds like uh, uh, prehistoric times, but. There are now scientists that are hoping to resurrect the woolly mammoth, which is insane. This is Jurassic Park. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) But as you know, DNA research has uh, really taken flight over the past decade. And scientists are more and more able to uh, discover the secrets of the genetic code that forms all these different varieties of life. And they are also able to decode, partially at least, the DNA of, of species that have gone extinct. And this is, of course, where it starts to get really interesting. Um, the What was still science fiction uh, when uh, Michael Crichton was writing writing Jurassic Park, he was already uh, following the trends that leads us to today where it's actually possible in a certain way to do what the movie Jurassic Park was predicting, Um, that you could combine uh, strands of DNA that were taken from, in this case, the woolly mammoth and combine it with existing fully intact DNA of elephants to make them more like woolly mammoths. So this is not about completely reconstructing life, but it is almost by by doing a downgrade. You know, when you have a phone and you don't like the the newest iteration of the operating system, sometimes you can hack your phone and downgrade it to a previous version and all of a sudden it will look... I, I did that in, in the past with the, one of my iPhones where... Um, the thing was going extinct basically because Apple would no longer support it with the newer updates. And so I was like, oh, I might as well just go and install, like, a what is it, an open system? Or, and and, and in order to, how would you call that? That had a technical name. Um, Anyways, it's, it's like hacking, but it is to make it more open so you could sideload apps. Anyway, I forgot about the name. But the thing is you you install an older version of the operating system, which is not as secure as the newer iterations. That's how they were able to, um, you know, open to kind of hack the operating system. Um, and it's very weird because all of a sudden you're looking at your iPhone and it looks like, oh my gosh, I, I've totally forgot what these icons looked like in the past um, and how slow this thing was. So uh, this is a bit similar. You would just kind of like try to downgrade current ele- elephants and make them more like woolly mammoths. And then there are actually now advanced plans by uh, a company to 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 do that and to release these woolly mammoths or recreations of the woolly mammoths in into the wild and see what happens. Now, of course, you can imagine that this also creates a lot of moral. Uh, questions, because if you can do it, does it also mean that you should do it? That's always the conundrum, you know. Right? Can do, are we should we do that? We already do this. Let's be honest. You know, genetically modified crops that are used everywhere in the world, uh, where you know sometimes uh, plant species have been modified so that they are more resistant to um, climate change, for instance, or certain um insects or whatnot. Uh, a, a lot of that modified m- m- plant material is already out there or and you know has maybe has its downsides, but definitely also upsides. Because it has been able to um to create situations where in, in some countries they can keep harvesting even though their climate has changed or there are these locusts or whatever. I don't know. Uh, so it's not all It's not all wrong, uh, modification of DNA. Uh, But in this case, what there is an additional complicating factor and that is that that company that wants to create these woolly mammoths also wants to patent it. And this has already happened with mice, where they use, of course, mice uh, very often in laboratories. Um, And then some of these companies that create these genetically modified mice for research uh, purposes have actually patented that dna but where is this going to end you know we we've, we've seen patent what patent wars can do to other areas of 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 scientific progress it's not always good to to have to patent stuff i mean it it w- w- with covid w- with the the um, vaccines and everything that's intellectual property of a, of a, of a, of, a, of just a few companies and they hold the key to basically world health how how moral is that and well, of course, a number of these companies have been sharing their recipes so that also poorer countries could make those vaccines um but that doesn't that's not always the case sometimes that's why sometimes the specialized medication is so extremely expensive it's just because these companies hold they have the right they have the patent, so they can basically ask any price for that. What are the implications of this? It's very complicated. So it's not just science. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about the science that we can do this now, but on the other hand, I'm also worried. This should be a concerted effort. There are, you know, eth- ethical parts of this discussion that we should also um, talk about as a global community and think about these implications, and also maybe even put some restraints on just unbridled technological. Uh, progress. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you've plugged in a new device, and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Well, all your technology stuff just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. The, um television segment I was talking about Apple and how they have their like game service and, and that may actually really take flight um, when they release their AR VR headset um, it's, it's very un- unclear whether we will actually see that headset anytime soon apparently uh, as you know there is a huge shortage of, uh, of uh, electrical components right now in the world and it will still take a year or maybe two years um, for that to to uh to change and to improve, and so that may actually put us put a, a halt on on a lot of technological um you know iterations uh, and a and, and, and a number of companies have have slowed down basically their development cycles because there 's just a shortage of of uh of components but apple of course um it has a very tight grip on on especially the production of their components. So if they have a plan to roll out a new technology, especially Tim Cook is known to be very good at that, they will probably have a huge, you know, they can guarantee that they can deliver. The The question, of course, is um, with a brand new category of, of devices like the AR-VR headset that they want to release... Um, it's not just about the components. It's not just about the production process. It's also about the software. It is about the wearability of this. Um, as you can imagine, if if Apple, according to rumors, is going to put in, uh, one of their new chips, in like an M1 or even an M2, in these headsets, that will generate a lot of heat. That heat needs to be dissipated. That will impact the shape and the size of the... Their headsets. Sony just released uh, the first images of their VR headset, their their second VR headset, and it now has a fan, and and, and that makes the device heavier and maybe more um, less comfortable to wear. Apple, of course, wants to to do something um, that is not bulky and maybe even trendy. That's what they've been doing with their phones. It's what they've been doing with their laptops and their and their watches. So you can bet that whatever they come up with in terms of, you know, a headset, it will be much more comfortable than anything out there on the market. But then, of course, it remains to be seen if they can pull that off with the current generation of, the, of their, of their chipsets. Uh, there are so many different elements that are involved. At the same time, Apple doesn't want to wait too long because Meta, formerly known as Facebook, is, of course, also uh, going through all these iterations of their headsets and they have already seized a pretty big chunk of the market. And so Apple has to <laughs> you know, also face the competition. When is the right moment to launch a new product line like this? Um, according to some of the experts, um, Apple is still hoping to release their first ARVR headset in this year, in 2022, but it won't be in the beginning of this year, but more probably towards Christmas time. And, um, but it could very well be that during their upcoming development, uh, developers conference, um, they will maybe give us a glimpse of that because hardware alone is not enough. You need to have the software, you need to have apps, programs that can use this new device. So maybe we will see what Apple is up to sooner than we will have the actual product. I'm, of course, also hoping that we will see it this year because, well, I'm a bit of a VR aficionado, and especially since Apple is going to add AR. um, The combination is just so intriguing. And with that, we've come to the end of this episode of my show. Thank you for listening, and if you are a patron, make sure to also listen to Father Roderick to the Max, which is one of the four weekly podcasts that you get as a thank you for your monthly support. If you want to join that community, go over to patreon.com slash Father See you next week. Have a good start of Lent and we'll talk soon. Take care now. God bless.